to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. And the angel told the Apostle John, write this down and give it to my church. Tell them how they're going to stand around the throne of God. Cry out with the angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. John, write it down. Tell them that they're going to gather around the throne. They're going to hear the, the elders shout, worthy are you. O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. John, I want you to write it down and give it to my church that the scrolls are going to come out, and we're going to shout, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. John, write it down. That we're going to cry out in unison with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the lamb, the lamb, the lamb of God. That sinless sacrifice who came to redeem that which was lost, that which was broken. See, Jesus ain't come for you if you thought you had already been found. He said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. So if you think you already got it together, then Jesus ain't come for you. But, but I'm going to let you know right now, I know he came for me. Because I was lost, living my own life. And he came and rescued me. That's why we're going to gather surrounding the throne and declare together, worthy is the lamb who was slain both now and forevermore. Let us give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. 
I couldn't have provided a better segue into what we're looking at this morning. So if you would, please grab your copy of God's word and turn with me to John, the first chapter. And as you do, as is our habit, I'd like to welcome you to this church gathered at Forest Baptist. So grateful to be in the service one more time. Every single time we take for granted of gathering together, the Lord reminds us that it didn't have to be like this this morning. He didn't have to let us have a building to worship in this morning. So we thank the Lord. We thank the Lord. And we thank the Lord. John, the first chapter, beginning with the 29th verse, I'll be reading through 51, primarily for context. But this is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ this morning. The Gospel of John, the first chapter, beginning with the 29th verse, and it reads, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour, four o'clock. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? 
Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? (laughs) You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. May the Lord a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I'd just like to speak on the subject this morning. Simple discipleship. Simple discipleship. Why don't you pray with me? Now, Father in heaven, blessed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you this morning for your kindness, for your faithfulness. We thank you for being so awesome, so mighty, so majestic, so marvelous. Lord, truly, if we had a thousand tongues, we would not be able to declare just how good you are. Because, Father... You're good to us even when we don't know about it. We can never put our finger upon every single thing that you have been doing providentially and sovereignly behind the scenes, orchestrating our salvation in this moment. We can never put our finger upon just how we were able to get that job, just how we were able to make it uh, one more week. Lord, you kept us from danger, seen and unseen. Lord, it was those unseen things there, God. We just don't know who was coming for us and how Satan wanted to sift us. But yet, dear God, you kept us. For that, we pause this morning to say thank you. And Father, out of that deep sense of gratitude, we have come to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, I pray that you would have your way in this worship service, that you would open our eyes and open our ears and prepare our hearts, that your word would go forth in a powerful and mighty way, that you would soften hard hearts, you would break down yokes, destroy strongholds, and you would set the captives free, dear God, because you have come to seek and to save the lost. Folks who don't know, uh, who don't know how to get right. Folks who don't know what to do next. Lord, you came for us. So, Father, right now, I pray that we would be the people who would just bear witness about what you've done for us. Father, I ask that you would glorify yourself in and through this word. Give me strength insight and clarity hide me behind the cross in the precious name of Jesus the Christ and the people of God said together amen amen you know we find ourselves in this holiday season this Christmas season but I pray that it's not only the Christmas season for you but this season actually gives us the perfect opportunity for a season of reflection. Uh, To reflect upon the past year, reflect upon the the past two years, reflect upon what the Lord has brought us uh, through, from, and to just uh, a time of reflecting on our family, friends, loved ones, those that may have passed away, a time of reflection. But uh, my prayer is that in this time of reflection, you will also reflect on King Jesus. As we seek to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, during this season, 
my prayer is that we would actually consider just why Jesus had to come. That we were in the depths of our sin, beyond repair. No one or no thing could fix us, but Jesus came. And because of that hope that we have in Christ, even though I may be toe up from the flow up, Jesus gives me a new hope in life that my, uh, uh, my wholeness is not based upon my wisdom or anything of me, but it's based upon what the Lamb has already accomplished. May you reflect upon that, but also as we reflect upon the season in Jesus, let us not forget that Jesus has given a commandment to his church. And that commandment is to go ye therefore and make disciples for Christ in all the world. May we reflect upon our purpose as the people of God who have gathered together. And our purpose is to be the, the outpost of heaven here on earth. That when people walk through these doors, when people engage you in conversation, they should, they should get but a glimpse and taste of heaven. Just by coming into your presence into this place. But that is nothing that we keep for ourselves, but we, we seek to make that message of salvation known to everyone else. The purpose of the church is to be a, uh, a bunch of disciples who make disciples for Jesus Christ. But there in that statement has been much of the failure of the modern church. Because both as an organization and as individuals, so when I say an organization, just the, the collection of the, the operation of the church, the focuses, the priority, the mission of a local church, and the people that fill that building that gives the direction toward that local church, there has been a disconnect, there has been a failure. And I, I, I truly believe that the failure has been we have sought primarily to serve the congregation without sending the congregation. There is a both fan. The local body of Christ should meet the needs of the congregation and the community that is its makeup. We should seek ways to, to serve the, the one who is in most need, the, the widow, the orphan, the, the brokenhearted, the downtrodden. We should seek to serve in every single way that we can. However, I believe that we've mostly been focused on meeting needs over making disciples who make disciples. It's almost like making a dish for that Christmas meal that you've been making for quite a few years, but you kind of threw this one together. You didn't have as much time, and, and you get to the point where you begin to taste it, and, you, and you, you can't explain what it is, right? But what do you say? I, this, this missing something. Something's missing. I, I can't really tell, but... That thing that's missing will really set this meal on fire. Beloved, can I say we're missing something? Do you know that this church would be set on fire if we would become disciples who make disciples for Jesus every single day? Not just during vacation Bible school, not during just special events, but we would live a life in such a way that people would see Jesus and be drawn to him and that we would, we would show them Christ. But this disciple-making is actually very challenging. Uh, I was reminded of Paul's words in Galatians, the fourth chapter, the 19th verse. He says, he's talking to the church in Galatians, and he says, My little children, 
for whom I am in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He said, this stuff is hard work. <laughs> to make disciples, this is hard work. Yet even though this is hard work, at the same time, the process of making disciples for Christ is actually simple. This is what I, I want us to see in the text before us this morning. As we are looking at this text, the Apostle John is laying out for us really just how simple it is to make disciples. And I do want to be cautious because think about, think about that word simple. We kind of throw that word around, simple. We, we, we throw it around uh, uh, that things are pretty easy. And we, th- we throw the word simple around almost in the sense of like dimin- diminishing it. Oh, that was so simple. That's so little. Like, like we want everything to be comp- uh, complicated and complex for our brilliant minds. Like we just can't have simple things. No, but when we think about simple, oh, like, oh, that's simple, many times we forget how long it took us to master what we just call simple. We forget to take into account how one is wired or, or, or consider the, uh, the hurdles or obstacles that may come uh, in the life of another that they will have to overcome in order for that to be simple. Beloved, like, algebra is simple to me. But there's some folks out there that are like, I hate math. Anything dealing with numbers, I hate it. I don't want to think about it. Don't care about it. But guess what? Drawing is not simple to me. If, I, if you was to ask me to draw a picture of a person, you would get a stick figure. It's not simple, but it's simple to like my wife. It's, but thinking about that word simple, and though there's so many uniquenesses and, and difference within the body of Christ to what we call simple, there is one commonality for Christians. For those who have repented of their sin and professed Jesus as Lord, uh, the Though the work of making disciples is hard, the process is actually quite simple. That's the idea for this morning, simply that disciples make disciples by simply introducing others to Jesus. How simple is that? Disciples make disciples by simply introducing others to Jesus. Do you think you can do that? If you think you could just introduce somebody to Jesus, then you can be a disciple maker. Notice in the passage that everyone who comes to Jesus does so by someone else's introduction. The the process of discipling others is just introducing others to Jesus. And really it's simple for two reasons. Discipleship is simply the result of revelation, and disciple is simply the result of of inspiration. Revelation and inspiration. Look here, go back with me to the 29th verse of this first chapter, and what we have here is uh, John the Baptist has just laid out for uh, the Pharisees and all who have come to him who he is. They were, are, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? He's like, no, I'm just the one in the wilderness shouting out. I'll baptize with water, but the one who comes after me, he's going to baptize with fire. He's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. He he has been explaining who he is in relation to who Jesus is. And now Jesus comes walking past him, and he has a declaration from his revelation. And he says the next day 
he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. He sees Jesus, and he's able to declare exactly who Jesus is. And we could pause right there and be like, okay, he's declaring who Jesus is, but how does he know who Jesus is? Okay, John tells him, I, this, and, and, and this is how I know. In verse 33, he says, I myself did not know him. I didn't know at first, but he who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descending and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. How do you know, JB? How do you know that's Jesus? Because God told me. Because God uh, revealed to me his plans and his purpose. God revealed to me what he was going to do with my life and, and who I was coming before. God revealed to me that the one whom, the, when I baptized and the Holy Spirit come down upon him, it is, he is the one. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. So John is able to, to, to say this because God told him, but not only because God told him, but because he's seen it with his own two eyes. And he says, and I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. I've seen Jesus. Don't nobody walk like Jesus. Don't nobody talk like Jesus. Don't nobody do miracles like Jesus. There's only one person that he could be, and he is the Son of God. It has been revealed to him through the power of the Holy Spirit that was with him from the womb, that this is the Messiah, the one who would deliver the people from their sins. This is the revelation. You know, in Scripture, there's, there's two types of revelation. If you want to speak theologically, there's, there's general revelation and there's special revelation. So general revelation is like in Romans, the first chapter, where it says, and, and although they, they, they knew God, they didn't acknowledge that there was a God. So because of the, 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 the sun, the moon, the stars, because of those beautiful trees, because of those lakes, because of everything that is glorious, and you're saying like, man, that's beautiful. I wonder who made that. Did it just come up by itself? There's a general revelation from creation that is shouting out, that there is a maker, and he is marvelous, and we didn't just show up by ourselves. When you wake up on a dreary day, and you smell the raindrops, some of y'all falling asleep right now. When the sun is shining brightly, and there's a beautiful sky. See, even in moments like that, we take for granted, don't we? that God was the, the creator and sustainer of all things, has, and this artist tree set the sun in the sky. He set the stars in the sky. He, he created the mountains. He held back the seas. He, he's done it all. And, 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 and all of this creative work testifies that there is a God. But what the general revelation doesn't tell you exactly who this God is, and that's 
special revelation only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, giving you eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive that not only is this uh, done by God, but his name is Yahweh. And he sent his only begotten son to save you from your sins. That, that's the special revelation. This is the type of revelation that, that Paul is praying for for the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians, the first chapter, in the 15th verse, he says, For this reason, because of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. And here it is. Remember you in my prayer, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ would give the Father of glory would give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Paul is praying that God would give you more revelation, that you would understand who he is, because when you really understand who he is, it has an impact on your life. Revelation. And because of this revelation given to John the Baptist, he's able to do something. In verse 36, well, 35, it says, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. What God had made known to John through revelation John makes known to others through his declaration. He doesn't just keep it to himself. He doesn't just uh, understand that the Messiah has come and he keeps it to himself. No, see, what's so sweet about John is that even as a leader, who, who, he has his own set of disciples, but instead of holding back on Jesus' glory for his own personal gain, he says, look, y'all, this is the Lamb of God. And the text says his disciples began to follow Jesus. Now, because of his declaration, he lost his own disciples. Beloved, if, if, if we're going to be legitimately serving the Lord, we have to be willing to declare whatever the Lord has put on our hearts to declare, no matter what we gain or what we lose. Behold the, the Lamb of God. And the text says the two of the disciples heard him say this, and then they followed Jesus. They heard this declaration by John the Baptist and understood that they needed to be following Jesus. Beloved, do you understand that you didn't come out the womb knowing who Jesus is? You didn't come out the womb knowing God. As a matter of fact, you came out the womb rejecting God. This is why we're... we're we're careful not to say, I've been a Christian all my life. I don't know about that. Uh, uh, unless, unless, hey, I believe God can do anything. Unless, just like John the Baptist, you was infused with the Holy Spirit from the womb. But if you wasn't infused with the Holy Spirit from the womb, then you ain't always been saved. I've always been saved. No, you haven't. The text of Scripture makes that clear. David says, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Romans 3 tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. We are all in desperate need of this declaration from the revelation that Jesus is the Lamb of God. 
He is the sinless sacrifice who was able to take your sin and my sin and nail it to that old wooden cross. He is the one who was able to get up on the altar and lay down his life. That's why we sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. He is the only one. But what this is telling me right here is, beloved, before you tell someone about Jesus, you need to know something about Jesus. I can't make a disciple if I have not experienced revelation that, of who Jesus is. I, if I have not personally experienced an enlightened an illumination from the scripture about who Jesus is. We was talking about this this past week when I saw Bible study. We was talking about our testimonies. We're talking about how the Lord has drawn us to himself and so many wonderful stories we heard during that time of prayer. And, and every, every person who told their testimony, there, were, there was a story that surrounded how the Lord was moving over their life. There was a situation, a circumstance that took place that made them realize that God was real. It was some things happening in, in their sphere of influence that was, was drawing them to Jesus. And it takes time to tell that story. But if I was to say, you got one minute to tell your testimony, could you do it? Just one minute. Could you do it? This is, what, this is what it means to be simple and a disciple. Because in that moment, what you should share is the very moment where you realize you were a sinner separated from God. Because of, your, because of your rebellion, and that Jesus is the only one who can save you and keep you, and you cried out to him. See, a testimony may be something like, over a period of time, this happened, and this happened, and then I realized that there was a God, but there, there should come a moment where not only you realize that there is a God, general revelation, but you realize that he's specifically talking to you, special revelation. That moment where you read the scripture and it clicked, man, the Bible says that I was born in rebellion to God. Huh. And the Bible tells me that not only was, not only was I born in rebellion, but that my rebellion is like cosmic treason, and I deserve the death penalty because of my rebellion against God. Man, and, it, it, and that separation from God is an eternal separation in hell. That means I'm going to hell because I'm a sinner. And then that's, that should cause something to say, well, I need some help. Oh, that's when the good news becomes good news. But, G but God, being rich in mercy, he, he sends Jesus Christ to be the lamb that was slain on your behalf, who lived a life that you could not live and died the death that you deserved, and you uh, trusted in him through repentance and faith, and now you are reconciled to God in heaven through Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the salvation moment. If you was to share your testimony as you were making a disciple, could you, could you simplify your story like that? Could it be boiled down to a moment where you realize you would be eternally separated from God? 
See, discipleship is simply the result of revelation. What has God revealed to you? But then secondly, discipleship is simply the result of inspiration. Inspiration. After the disciples, John's disciples, began to follow Jesus, they're behind Jesus, and Jesus stops and asks them a simple question. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? You're following me, but what are, what are you looking for? And they say, uh, they kind of shy. We, we, we just want to see where you, we, where you stand, Jesus. And then Jesus says, the profound, he says, come and you will see. Come and you will see. That's like a double entendre because he says, come and you will see where I'm staying, but come and follow me and you will see who I am. Because he, he shows them where, where he is staying. So they came and saw where he was staying, but not only did they see where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day for, it was about the 10th hour, and they heard who Jesus was. They heard the gospel. So Jesus is inviting them to come and see, and, and now, because of Jesus' invitation, because of that revelation, something explodes inside of them. And what does the text say next? In verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak, follow Jesus, was Andrew, Simon's Peter brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. We found him. We found him. Because their eyes have been opened, now he goes and gets his brother and says, the very one that we have been looking for, that word found right there, it's not so much as like, oh, look, I found $5. It's no, like, I, I'm looking for it. I'm waiting for it. I, I'm pursuing it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that, uh, uh, that I'm not l- left in the dark. They were waiting for the Messiah. They had been looking, seeking, and waiting with expectation. And when it was fulfilled, the first thing was to be inspired to go tell somebody else about what I found. Isn't that that old saying about sharing Jesus? I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where they can find bread. But not only, not only does he declare, so now that whole process of revelation and inspiration begins to, to snowball. Because now Andrews, he declares, hey, we found the Messiah. I, I've been inspired to, to tell you what has happened to me in my life. You need to see Jesus. And not, but he doesn't, he, doesn't just co- he doesn't just come around you while, you while you're off the hook. He's like, oh, you need Jesus. And then leave. <laughs> he says, you got to meet Jesus. Come on. Come on, we found him. And he brings him to Jesus. And as he brings him to Jesus, Peter's whole identity is transformed. You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas. The whole direction of Peter's life is changed because Andrew went and got got him and brought him to Jesus. Beloved, do you know we we can fuss, we can fight, we can argue, but you can't control nobody. You can't control nobody. But guess who can transform them from the inside out and change their direction in life? You, you, you bring them to Jesus and let them have a, a, a genuine experience with him and his life will be transformed. In verse 43, it says, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to Philip, follow me. 
Jesus is calling Philip to himself. That revelation, this, this is what I want you to do. Now that inspiration comes. He, he is excited about finding Jesus. And then verse 45, he says, now Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Nathaniel. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Look, we've, we've been looking for him and we found him. The very one that all the scriptures have been talking about, we found him. It, it's, it's in the law and it's in the prophets. I believe Philip is talking about like Deuteronomy 18, 15, where Moses says to the people, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him you shall listen. That's in, the, that's in the law. But then when he talks about the prophets, I believe he's, he's speaking of words like Isaiah 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he had made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, the nations, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, of them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken, and on the day of Midian for every boot of the tramping warrior in the battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Here it is for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Philip is talking about Isaiah, the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 5. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He's talking about Jesus. And Philip is like, that's the Jesus who has come. That's the Messiah. The one we've been waiting for that's going to put things in order. He's come. So he excitedly tells Nathaniel. And then Nathaniel does, just like folks we try to share the good news with. You share the good news with them. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He has a little apprehension. He has a little doubt in his voice. Maybe there was some type of village rivalry between uh, Bethsaida and Nazareth. You know, you, know, you know how it is. You know how Newburgh folks talk about West End folks and West End folks talk about Newburgh folks. You know, you, you from Newburgh? You know. Maybe it's like that. Or maybe it's the fact that Jesus comes from such humble beginnings. If he was to be the, the great king, the great Messiah, wouldn't he have come from Bethlehem, the city of David? No, this Jesus of Nazareth. 
whatever it was, Philip was undeterred because when he came up with a word of doubt, what did Philip say to Nathaniel? Just come and see. Beloved, there's, there's going to be a lot of times in your life where you, you're not going to have that apologetic answer. Let, let, let me take this burden off of you. That when you share the good news of Jesus, that you're not going to know the answer to every question that they ask you. You're not. I don't know every answer to every question that they ask me. But sometimes it's just as simple as, you know what? Just come and see. Just come and see. And this is exactly what Nathaniel does. And when you're introducing others to Jesus... You're just asking them to come see. Come and see who has changed my life. Come and see who has turned me around. Come and see why I don't talk like I used to talk. Come and see why I don't walk like I used to. Come and see why I've been changed. Oh, I was listening to that this morning. Oh, Walter Hawkins, change. I've been changed. Change has come over me. What Jesus is calling us to do in making disciples, he is simply saying like that that Samaritan woman at the well who met Jesus in John 4. And he told her all about her life, her sins and everything that she was looking for. And he says, you can... You can drink that well water, but you'll be thirsty again. You can keep hanging out at the clubs, but you'll still be thirsty again. You can, still, you can hang out over somebody's house's late night, but you'll still be thirsty. You can, you can, uh, you, you can uh, go where you want to go. You can try to make as money, uh, much money as you want, but you're still going to be thirsty. You can, still, you can buy all the technology and TVs and cars, but you're still going to be thirsty. But, but he said, I, but I got that living water where you will never thirst again. And, and, and after she understood who Jesus was, she, she didn't just stay there, but she went back to her village. And she began to testify and declare the revelation that she had just received. And she says, come see a man who told me all about myself. And the text says, and the entire village went out to meet Jesus. And, and after they went out, I love how the text says, and they say, uh, uh, we not only come out here because you're told, but now we've seen him for ourselves. Come, come see him for yourself. But I think the, the most encouraging thing about discipleship is the fact that Jesus does all the work. <laughs> Look here, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. I actually think he's referring to Psalm 32 and 2. Blessed is the man whose transgressions is forgiven and whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. I saw you before you was even thinking about me. I saw you before you even fixed your lips to call upon me. I saw you at your highest. I've seen you at your lowest. He said, I, I saw you, Nathaniel. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, 
you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He's like, oh, oh my goodness, he, he, done, he done told me about myself before. But Jesus is like, you think that's something? He says, because I said to you, you was under the fig tree, do you, you, you believe because I, you believe because I produce what you believe to be a miracle in your life? You believe because of an event that you just experienced? He said, well, if, if you think you believe because of that, he says, you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I said to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What in the world are you talking about, Jesus? I believe Jesus is hearkening back to Genesis 28 when Jacob was on the run, getting ready to go. And he lays his head down in Bethel on a rock and he has the dream of the of the uh, Jacob's ladder or the stairway to heaven. And this uh, angels ascending and descending and then he looks up and he, and he sees one who looks like uh, looks like God, and, and he begins to speak to him about what, what he's going to do, and he's revealing the covenant about and how through him the nations would be blessed. I, I, I believe that what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel here is like, you think because of a miracle you believe, but, but, but you're you really going to believe when you see that I am the mediator between God and man. I am the one by which that man can ascend and, and God's hand is working in the line. I, it's, it's on me that all of, of your salvation rests. When you see the work of me, you'll show enough believe then. Notice how that process of, of revelation and inspiration is continual. It's like a snowball. But what I also notice about it is because when Jesus does all the work, disciples will grow in their understanding of Jesus the longer you walk with him. See, at the, at the beginning of their walk, Philip says, Nathaniel, come, uh, come see Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. They come and they spend just a few moments. And after Jesus gives that, Revelation uh, that Nathaniel was under the fig tree. Nathaniel says, surely you are the son of God. Okay, they've moved. You're not just the son of Joseph. You're the son of God. And then Jesus began to unfold who he is. And he says, you'll see the angels ascending and descending on the son of man. Jesus is pointing back to Daniel 7, where he's talking about the son of man will come. And the Messiah will be the one who rules and reigns. And it's through the Messiah that Israel will be restored. And it's through the Messiah that God's kingdom will come. Beloved, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you don't know everything at once. And sometimes we could get so frustrated because we, it, we don't know what we think we should know. But I, I dare you like Philip and Nathaniel, just keep walking. Because the longer you walk with Jesus, the more he's going to reveal to you. And the more he reveals to you, the more inspired you're going to be. And the more you're inspired you're going to be, the more disciples you're going to make. And the more disciples you're going to make, you're going to, be, you're going to receive more revelation. And then once you receive more revelation, you're going to be, uh, have some more inspiration. I, I, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but you may be sitting in a quiet moment. You may be reading the scripture, and all of a sudden Jesus just opens up your mind to the text. And you're like, oh, I get that now. 
Oh, I understand that now. So, I, 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 my life has changed because I have this comprehension. He, I've been walking with you. I, I've never seen, I done read that text a thousand times, and I've never seen that before. He is illuminating your mind. Don't be like that song I said. I wasn't going to tell nobody. But I going to keep it to myself. When the Lord gives you a revelation, it's time for you to have some inspiration. You should be excited that God in his mercy has chosen to reveal himself to you even more. Who are you? Who are we to deserve this? Beloved, the best witness is to simply introduce people to Jesus. So my question this morning was, when was the last time God provided you with revelation? When is the last time you have a, had a revelation from, from Jesus? Because without revelation, there is no inspiration. When was the last time that God's revelation led you to your inspiration? Or have we got so comfortable with the glorious things of Christ? Like, we've moved beyond John 3.16. That's just a children's memory verse. Never forget where you came from. And never forget what the Lord has brought you to. Because, beloved, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. If you are not striving to make disciples for Jesus, if you are not striving, you may not always be successful, but if you are not striving to make disciples for Jesus, you are either a disobedient disciple who is in sin or not a disciple of Jesus at all. Because revelation always leads to inspiration. What we may need to do today is just three prayers. Three prayers. The first thing I want you to do is pray for revelation. Pray that the Lord will open up your mind to who he is further. That the spirit of wisdom and of revelation, just the Holy Spirit would, would illuminate you and teach you something that you never seen before. But after you pray for revelation, why don't you pray for inspiration? Pray that the truth of God's word will impact your heart in such a way that it will be fire like shut up in your bones. Jesus, help me to be excited for you and not so distracted by this world. But then after you pray for revelation and after you pray for inspiration, pray for opportunity. Lord, give me the opportunity and the privilege to share what I've just learned with somebody else. That's all discipleship is. You may be here today looking for something. Like Jesus says, what are you seeking? You may be looking for assurance, looking for position, looking for excitement. You may be looking for an escape. You may be looking for affirmation. You may be looking for experience. You may be looking for love. You may be looking for security. You may be looking for approval. 
But in the midst of all this chaos, Jesus is inviting you to come see what you really need. He's inviting you to come see who you really need. He is saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He is saying, come to me, everyone who thirsts. He is saying, come to me, all who are lost. Come to me, all who are lonely. Come to me, all who are sinking in sin. Come to me. What Jesus wants us to remember, that we can come to him because he said, he said, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw men unto me. And beloved, on that old wooden cross, Jesus was lifted up. He was lifted high and stretched wide. Nails pierced in his arms and thorn of crowns on his head. He, He was lifted up. By the Roman soldiers. He was lifted up by Pontius Pilate. He was lifted up by the Pharisees who didn't want to have anything to do with him. He was lifted up by the crowd who gathered around and mimicked and mocked him. He was lifted up by all those who wanted to stay in their sin. But he says, but if I be lifted up, he says, y'all think y'all got me, but this is exactly where I plan to be. If, if I be lifted up, This change is going to come because when I'm lifted up, your sin and my sin will be laid upon his back. Your your evil and your wickedness will be able to lay on him while he gives us his righteousness. He says, "If, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men, women, boys, girls unto me. He says, come. Because ultimately, we know it's not you who found Jesus, but it was Jesus who found you. That's why discipleship is so simple. Jesus was already calling them. He just chose to use you to go get them. He says, I I got some in the city already who going to be mine. Won't you participate in this glorious transformation from death to life? He says, they're already going to be mine. Why don't you just be a part of what I'm doing in the kingdom? He he says, why don't you come and fulfill your purpose and and know that you're useful? I'm already going to find them. Why why don't you just come on through and let me use you too? Disciples make disciples by simply introducing others to Jesus. Father, thank you for your word and the power of your might. Help us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me for being disobedient, sinful, for not making disciples like I should, like we should. But Father, thank you for the glorious truth that was secured when you was lifted up, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. So Father, we're confessing our sins to you. But Father, help us to turn from from fear. Help us to turn from selfishness. Help us to turn from busyness. Help us from turning from the, the cares of this world and turn towards you to make it a priority to make disciples. Merely sharing the revelation from the inspiration that we receive. Father, we can't do this. I can't do this. But you can. 
Help us to be a disciple-making church. Disciples who make disciples for you. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Beloved, the call is simple. Jesus is saying, if there's never been that moment where you realize that you are separated from God because of your sin, that there's no other way that you can be saved but